This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. Wow, you guys are going to give me the big head. Golly. I've got cheat notes, and I hope I can see them. But <clears throat> excuse me. How can anybody not preach after uh, an introduction like that? And uh, I do want to thank Pastor Kevin, and, and he's right. I, uh, my brother-in-law, Gary, he and I talked about when we came here. Now, we're just going to be, we're going to sit down in the pews a while, and we're just going to enjoy church. And we're not going to do anything, you know, because if we don't do anything, you don't get in trouble, right? How many know if you don't do anything, you don't get in trouble? That's right. But uh, God wouldn't have it that way. And Pastor Kevin invited us both to do things. And, and I love Kevin. We are so very fortunate to have a man of God like him. And I'm going to go just a little bit further. We're also fortunate to have a man like Kerry Weaver. We are blessed guys to have two guys like that that God has called and put such a burden on their hearts and soul for lost people. And not only the lost people, and, and you know, when we say lost, we, we think of people that's not saved. I was saved, but I was lost. I was wandering around, just wandering around in this place. Got me back on track. God did with the leadership of Pastor Kevin. So... It is a joy to be here with you today, and as Pastor Kevin said, we want to review a little bit about the series that was called Joyful. It was, it was one of my favorite series. It was a good one because we had actually the small group studies on, if you were part of that, you remember, had some real interesting discussions about that. But one thing that, that I have throughout my life, and I still, still to this day, uh, that's the great thing about preachers. If they ever have a good message, I can promise you, it's because they're preaching to themselves. <laughs> it really is. But one thing that I struggle with is knowing the difference between happiness and joy. Has anybody else ever struggled with that? I know Pastor Kevin went over that and he talked about it. And, and happiness is external, but joy is internal, right? And I know he taught us about that. But happiness is based on facts. But joy is based on truth, right? And I remember one time, and, and uh, there's, there's some, if you're a car guy like me, and I'll, I'll use a few references to cars because I've just always been a car guy all my life. But there was an instance right after Jan and I got married uh, that I told her, one of these days, honey, I'm going to buy you a Corvette. Because I thought that would make she and I both happy. Her older sister had a Corvette. And, you know, I thought, man, that's just the greatest car in the world is a Corvette. So one of these days, I'm going to buy you one, honey. 27 years later, 27 years later, I was good to my promise. And I thought that would make me happy and make her happy. See, you finally got your Corvette, Jan. And we got a nice one. You know, it had, if I was going to get a hot rod, I wanted the four-speed and it was a six-speed then. I, you tell I'm old school, four-speed, but it was a six-speed. And, and I wanted something nice, and, and it was nice. And I thought, boy, you know, if I could get this, it'd be just a little bit nicer because, you see, it wasn't quite good enough for me. 
maybe I'll buy some of these uh, emblems that's chrome and take the old plastic emblems off and put the chrome emblems on it. So I did that, and I said, boy, that is, that's pretty, isn't it? and that's nice. And I thought about that, and then I got a, a chrome plaque to go on the rear end hub, and I thought, it just keeps getting nice, and guess what? I got it just like I wanted. I thought everything was nice the very next year to come out with a different generation. So my car was old again. It was not, you know, Corvettes, they stay the same forever, like eight or ten years. The very next year, mine had already become old. So you see, no matter what, Corvette people, and there's another group I'm going to throw in there, Mustang people. I mean, we're crazy people, right? We'll spend and we'll buy and we'll think, if I just get this little bit of window dressing to go on, it'll make it that much better. And that'll make me happy, right? But it doesn't. It's all in the facts um, on the external but joy comes like for a time the first time I ever held my daughter or maybe the first time I ever held my grandson or maybe the first time I remember going to an old-fashioned tent revival and I was going down to the altar I couldn't wait for the preacher to get done so I could rush down to the altar and pray for one of my friends so I'm gonna pray for her and because I know God's working on her. And by the minute I hit my knees, I forgot all about her, and it was all about me and God. And I can't tell you what all happened to this day, but I still know that I'm different because of this day. So that's internal joy. That's things that you can't get from external happiness. That comes from within. And also, happiness is confined a lot of times to the facts, but facts aren't always true, are they? Let's listen to what James says. When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity of great joy. For you know, you know for what then that your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Now, the facts may say that you're in trouble. That's what the facts may say. They're like bullet points, you know, blah, 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 this. Or they might, like headlines in a movie, this, this, this. Like an infomercial, I've always liked those, you know, because I got suckered in on one by a pancake thing. It was just the greatest way in the world to make pancakes. I mean, you could flip those things and turn them right over and never even have to undo the pan or anything. Just wham, wham, wham. Just make them like crazy. First time I tried it, it all shot out the side. Oh, Perry, you got one too, did you? Yeah. So it's all, you know, sometimes the, the truth is not what's on the outside in the facts. But the truth of the matter is when you're going through some of these trials in your life, that is a chance for you to grow. James says, you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So really it's not trouble at all. Even though it feels like it on the outside, it's a chance for God to work in your life. So as we get into Philippians today, let's just review a little bit and talk about the church at Philippi. Uh, after Paul's second journey to Philippi, that's, uh, that's the time that he wrote this letter to the Philippians, and that's what we're going to be in about joy. And it, it was written probably maybe some 10 years later. And if you know anything about Paul, um, he was in prison at the time, so he, he wrote this letter. So it's, it's not all like, that, okay, well, he's standing in the Waldorf story, and he was just everything was catered to him later on. No, he was in prison. So he knows about how to be content and how to find that joy. And as we find joy, one way, one thing that he's going to teach us about today is relationships. And if you're like me, uh, a lot of my relationships is with family, either church family or my personal family. 
and I know, I, I think about the different folks and relationships we have and family. And to me, now this is just Jimmy's family because it, it fits us to a T. Um, how many of you seen Christmas Vacation? Yeah, <laughs> most everybody. I think about Aunt Bethany all the time. They want you to say grace. Grace? She died two years ago. Don't, you, don't we all have those kind of aunts and uncles, you know, that's just, the, it's so easy to love them because they're funny. Or, or we'll have cousins like Eddie. Oh, my word. Cousins like Eddie. I loved it when Eddie said, Clark, are you surprised to see me? Eddie, I wouldn't be any more surprised if I woke up with my head sewn to the carpet. <laughs> now, now, that's being surprised, isn't it? But we, we have family members. They're, they're easy to love. And I remember Uncle Ben. Some of you remember Uncle Ben that came to church with us. We used to sit right over here because Ben was almost blind. He couldn't see. We brought him in the back way. And he'd have to sit over because it was so dark. And Uncle Ben was a simple-minded man and never been married. And it took somebody to take care of him. And our family did that uh, between all of us. And it, it seemed like Uncle Ben you know, was always saying something sweet. Now, he had his ornery side, too, just like I do. We got, but he was always saying something sweet. And, and I remember one time we were sitting over there, and, and Ed, the lead guitar player, we were just talking about that the other day. He said, you know, I miss Uncle Ben. We're sitting over there one day, and all of a sudden, Ben just, you know, the band got through playing. He looked at me and smiled and said, rock and roll. <laughs> yeah, he just loved it. But yet, he had never been in church like this, but because of people like you and, and Pastor Kevin and others that would come by and love on him a little bit, he loved this place. He said, I really like that preacher. And you got to know Ben. He said, I like that he always, he would draw his words out, you know, but he loved that preacher. These kind of relationships are easy, aren't they? And to find joy in those. But what about the EGR? And if you're, uh, if you're a race fan, I don't mean Earnhardt Ganassi Racing. EGR friends, that's the kind of friends that take extra grace required. You got anybody know any of those? Maybe co-workers need a little extra grace required for him. Well, to find joy in our relationships, that's what Paul was talking about. And he, he gave us several good ways, and I want to hit a few of those. And this first one's in your notes. If we're going to experience joy in our relationships, especially those EGR guys, the first way we do that is to practice gratitude on them. Practice gratitude on them. Paul said in one three, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. I thank my God in all of my remembrance of you. Now that's even the EGR guys because even though Philippi was a great church and that was the first church that Paul had started, they were still some, they were egos. I mean, how many people know there's going to be egos in Christians in church, right? Uh, I, I got one. If you ain't careful, you'll step on mine. We all have those. But if we're transparent, we can grow through that. So there were rivalries in the church at Philippi and there were people that were ambitious. That's just the way God created us. But he said, I thank my God for all my remembrance of you. That's because I think the key word here is practice. Practice gratitude. You know, it's easy to love somebody like Ben, my Uncle Ben, and be found him. It's easy to love somebody like Aunt Bethany that's so sweet and comical and funny. But what about that relative that you're having a family reunion dinner and nothing's ever good? Well, this, this is bad or that's bad or... I don't know why they didn't do this. What's she doing in there now? You know, those kind that takes that extra grace. Well, this is what Paul said. 
It's, it's easy to love some of you, but some of you practice gratitude. Now, you might be a ball player. If you're an athlete, you know that some are better than others, but the way to get good at anything is to practice, right? These musicians, now I don't think they just picked up that instrument and just started wailing away at it. It took a little bit of practice. Now, some's better than others, but still, practice is a key word. So when you think about, <coughs> excuse me, when you think about that coworker, okay, you go in and you got one lady and, and, you know, no matter what you do, it just seems like you're never right or she's always on your case or something and you go in and it's going to take some practice in it. Maybe you should go up, <coughs> excuse me, maybe you should go up to her tomorrow and say, girl, you're looking good today. I tell you what, you're so pretty, you, you're prettier than a case of 30-weight motor oil. And that'll get her attention. That's practicing a little bit. And maybe you better say, you know, you're as pretty as a bouquet of roses. Maybe you want to do something like that. Or maybe you've got a guy and you say, man, I just want to tell you something. If, if I was a, a Muncie four-speed, you'd be my her shifter. <laughs> well, maybe that's a little cheesy for us guys. But why don't you just say something like, you know what? I appreciate you being my friend. You're surprised how much I learned from you. Now, you don't have to tell them it's one way. I learned not to be a grumpy somebody. You don't have to tell them that. But you can say, man, I, I've learned a lot from you, and I appreciate you. So there's different ways that we've got to practice attitude, practice of the gratitude of grace, and be thankful for those people. Uh, be thankful for those people that maybe I've, I've got some folks in my small group that have come to love so dearly that I've cried with, slung snot on. And you think it bothers them? No, it's that holy kind. But... Be thankful for those kind of relationships, too. As a matter of fact, I bet there's somebody in here right now that if you'll think a little bit, you can think, you know what? I am so, so grateful for this person in my life, and I need to tell them. Why don't you think about that a little bit? Let's just don't think about the ones that are hard that we need to practice on, but let's think about those that are really good in our lives as well. And Paul, as we're thinking about those, whether they be good or bad, Paul will give us some guidelines. Okay, now, one way is gratitude. practice gratitude. What's another way that I can develop this relationship and have more joy? Which brings me to point number two, is to pray for them. Pray for your relationships. Pray for them. Paul said in chapter 4, I always pray for you, and I make my request with a heart full of joy. Because you see what happens when we pray is that we invoke the Holy Spirit. Have you thought about that? When I pray for you, I'm asking God to help. I'm asking the Holy Spirit to help. So, so that prayer takes on a whole other life of itself, a whole other supernatural level that I can't do. Now, I can call you and say, I just want you to know we're texting and say, I'm praying for you guys. And, and Kevin does that a lot. He'll text me and say, I'm just praying for you. I just want you to know that. That's just the kind of guy he is. But when I know that he's doing that, that takes it to a whole nother level, a supernatural level. And, and Paul, as I said, he, he was doing this from some pretty incredible circumstances. As I said, he was in prison, and he wasn't the Waldorf, but he was what they called the inner prison. And as he was praying, if you go to the inner prison, these, these are not prisons like we have now. These were big prison blocks. And you were caged up, 
and and all the stuff kind of rolled downhill. You know what I'm talking about? And so that's the kind of situation he was in. <clears throat> it was it was not a good situation, but yet he found time to pray and to know that there was power in prayer. And 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 when you pray for somebody, prayer might not always change even your situation or their situation. But what prayer can do is it can move mountains. It can move that mountain that's blocking that situation, that's keeping you and God from dealing with it. So prayer can move mountains. Prayer can move you. Believe it or not, prayer can move you. And here's the best thing I like. Prayer can move Satan. How many like that? Amen? Yes, sir. Because when we pray, the Bible gives us ammunition. We have overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Amen? That's how we overcome. Greater is he that is in me, and that means you too if you're saved. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Resist the devil, and he must flee. These are words of God. These are not just my words. These are words of God. So as we pray and we invoke that Holy Spirit, then things change. Well, okay, that's good. I understand you say pray, but I'm not sure I know how to pray. Well, I'm glad you asked. Got four sub-points that I want to make for you that Paul taught us how to pray in Philippians. And our first one is pray that they will grow in love. Now, these are not in your notes, but you might want to write these down. They're short. Pray that they will grow in love. In verse 9, Paul says, I pray that your love for each other will overflow more and more. Just last week, one of my buddies and I were standing right back here in the hall during worship, the second service, because we were serving that day. And he was telling me, he says, you know, he says, I, I, through the week, uh, I'm reading my Bible, and, and I'm praying, <clears throat> and, and I'm, I'm doing okay, but I cannot wait to get back in the house of God, to hear Pastor Kevin preach, or to hear our worship team sing praises, and to be with you guys. He said, I need that. I love that. What's going on, guys? His love is overflowing. God's changing him. His love is starting to overflow. Pray that their love will overflow. Next point is that pray that they will make wise decisions. Pray that they will make wise decisions. For I want you to understand what really matters, he says in verse 10. I want you to understand what really matters, Paul is saying, that you'll make wise decisions. You've got to understand, guys, what really matters in this whole world. You've got to understand what really matters. You've got to understand what matters, right? What matters is you belong. Somebody's needing that today. You belong. The world has told you that you don't belong, that you're no good, or you have failed. You're an addict. You're not good enough to be in church. You have failed in so many ways. You are nothing. But let me tell you what. I'm praying that you'll know during this service that you belong. I'm praying that you will know that you are God's workmanship. I'm praying that you know that you're not here on your own. If you don't come, the Bible says, you do not come except that the Holy Spirit draw you. There's power in that. The Holy Spirit got you here for a reason today. You 
belong. John 18, Jesus said, I have not lost one of these you have given me. I have not lost one. You belong, God. Our third way that we should pray for our relationships is that they will do the right thing. Pray that they will do the right thing. Pray that they will do the right thing, and in verse 10, finish it up, so that they may live pure and blameless lives, so that they may live pure and blameless lives until Christ comes. You see, now you know you belong, right? Now you've got to believe. If you don't believe, how can you keep the assurance that you belong? And you say, oh, yeah, Jimmy, I believe. I mean, I wouldn't be here if I didn't believe. I've, I've been a Christian most of my life. I believe. We were in our small group a while back, and we come across a scripture in Romans 121. And that scripture, and I'm going to paraphrase a little bit for you. It says, because that when they knew God, now listen, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were they thankful. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. So you can be sitting here, and you say, oh, yeah, I know God. But really, do you? Do you believe that God is still God? Do you believe that God can still heal? Do you believe that God can save you if you are an addict, if you're no good, if you're thrown away? Do you believe that you belong? Do you believe that God is still God? Do you glorify him as God? And for folks like Jimmy, that has been saved the majority of your life. This scripture was so powerful for me because I started practicing it that I didn't want to not glorify God. I did want to believe in God because there comes a point in your life if you're not careful, you become so complacent you think, God is not the God of the Bible of yesterday. God has changed now. Our culture is different. You know, God has changed. We can preach in blue jeans now. God has changed. But God hasn't changed. Our culture will lie and tell you that God has changed, but he hasn't. The Word says, I am the same today as I was yesterday, as I'm going to be tomorrow. If I healed yesterday, I'm going to heal tomorrow. If I can redeem you yesterday, if I sent Jesus to die for you, and by the way, it's because of his stripes that you are healed. So many people say, well, that's, that's spiritually, Jimmy. It is, but it's physical. He's already done it for you. Jesus has died that we can believe. And we can know that God is God. And we can know that he can take my imperfections and make me holy and make me perfect in him. So when you're sitting there and you think, I can't, I wish I could, but I just don't believe. Believe because God said it, because I'm praying that you will believe. I'm praying that you belong. And our last way I want you to pray, or Paul wants you to pray for relationships, is that they will bring glory to God. Pray that your friend's relationships will bring, and your relationship will bring glory to God. In verse 11, May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, those good things that are produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. What are the good things? What are the good things of our salvation? In Galatians, it tells us they are love, right? Love, peace, kindness. How many of you think that, uh, man, I've acted evil today. How can I be a Christian because of the the Holy Spirit, the joy of my salvation sure hadn't acted today like that. We go through those times. We go through those times. Kindness, faithfulness, humility, self-control. 
also pray that they will bring glory to God and they will behave. Belong, believe, behave. You know, I put behave in there because so many of us anymore, we don't fear God. And I'm talking about the church, folks. We don't fear God anymore. We're in a grace dispensation now, uh, period, in, in God's holy time. So when we think about grace, everybody's talking about grace, and we should allow grace and give grace, and I am big on grace because I believe in God the Father, right? But there's also a fear of God. We've got to put the two together. If we don't fear God, how are we going to behave? Well, that's just a little sin. I had a preacher one time, he would joke about that. He said, oh, it's just a little sin. I can get forgiven of it tomorrow. He was joking, but he was making a point. We have to still fear God, guys, because God is God. And as we talk about the fruits of the Spirit, I don't know about you, but one of my, one of the toughest that I deal with is patience, which brings us to our last points in your notes. To find that joy in our relationships, we have to be patient. We have to be patient. We have to look at people's future and not their past. We have to look at their future and not their past. I remember when my grandson, my, my youngest, he's in fourth grade now, but I remember when he was uh, a little over a year old, he started doing, like all babies, he started doing words like he'd see a deer on TV and he'd say something sound like dog. But he was trying to mumble and, and do words, duh, deer, dog, duh. He was trying to do all things that a baby tries to do when they start talking. And then all of a sudden, he just quit. He quit talking. He quit trying to mumble. You, you couldn't even get him to do anything. He just, he, he wouldn't try to enunciate anything. And we didn't give up on him, though. We'd work with him. But finally, as smart as his mom is, she said, I'm going to take him to the doctor. And he had something called apraxia. I think, is that how you pronounce it, Tip? Apraxia which really all that is is a medical term says the baby don't talk. You know, <laughs> that's all it is. The, baby, the baby's not speaking right now. So with the help of a therapist and, and a mom and a grandmom that helped work these flashcards and everything, well, if you know Aiden now, our, our youngest grandson, that little joker don't shut up. <laughs> uh, and uh, it didn't affect his mind, and he's already smarter in history than his grandpa is. So... But we didn't give up. That's the point I'm trying to make. you got to be patient sometimes. Everybody travels at different speeds and different talents, right? We have to be patient and work in God's time. God's not finished with me yet, so I hope you'll be patient with me. <laughs> Listen to Paul as he addresses this in verse 7 and 8. It is right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a very special place in my heart. God knows how much I love you and how much I long for you with the tender compassion of Christ. You see, he's thinking now about their future. He's telling them, you know how much I have loved you guys. I'm forgetting about some of these little petty quarrels we've had or you've had, but I'm looking to the future now. I love you. This has taken practice on his part, has it not? It's taken practice. I want to show a video now before, before we put it up. I want to introduce it just a little bit. Some of you may have seen it because it's 20-some-odd years old now. Well, I guess 24. It was during the 1992 Olympics. And it's about a runner that gets a torn hamstring. And he don't pull his hamstring. He tears it. But it's, it's trying to motivate folks and not to give up, to go on and push through the pain and finish. Because he said, well, 
Well, this, let's just key the video now. Let's watch. It's a great video, and I cried. I just saw that for the first time this week in a seminar that Kevin and Carrie and Seth and a lot of us went to. And in my class, they showed that. And I thought, i got to show that this week. And you think, how does that fit? That's, that's about encouragement. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't, don't stop. And it, people said, why didn't you just get off the track? You know, why didn't you just go on in the locker room? You, you know, you couldn't win. He said, my country didn't pay me and train me to come and quit. They paid me to finish. They trained me. They supported me to finish. Now, let's forget about finishing. That's not what it's about. I want you to look. Did you see the guy that come down and helped me? You seen the man, the friend, the friend come down. He didn't say, oh, my God, look at him. He's going to embarrass us. Look, the camera's on him. The whole world's looking. There's 150 million people watching Olympics. Why don't he just go to the locker room and get off of there? No, he didn't say that. He's embarrassing us. No, this friend came down, put his arm around him, helped him. Seeing the agony and the despair was in. People tried to stop him. Get away from me, man. I got this. He wasn't going to let anybody stop him. You don't know what's going on here. This is my friend. I got this. That's the kind of friend I want to be. That's the kind of friend I want you to be to me. I want that type of friend. I don't want to be embarrassed because you're hurting. I don't want you to be embarrassed because I'm hurting. I want your support. Here's the great thing about that. You know who that guy was? That was his best friend. That was his dad. I want a friend like Moses had. Moses, God told Moses when he was fighting the Amalekites, hold your hands up, Moses, and you'll win the battle. He was standing there with his arms up. They got tired because we get weary, right? His arms going down. The Amalekites started beating him. No, Moses, put your hands back up. So he put them back up. Friends came and supported him. One hold this arm and one hold this arm. And as long as they were holding him up, they were winning the battle. Now here we go, guys. This is for you today. And all the joy of relationships. It's all about belonging here. It's all about believing. It's all about behaving. And all of that, this is for you. His dad was his earthly dad. But Jesus wants that same relationship with you. Let me read this. In verse 6, Paul said, And I am sure, I am sure that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it's finally finished on that day when Christ Jesus will come back. I'm sure that the good work that God finished started in you, he will finish. I'm sure that he will be that friend, just like this dad that come down, the Heavenly Father. He wants that relationship with us. Does anybody need that? Does anybody want that? I want that friend. I want that friend. I have that friend. I need to realize that friend. Let us pray. Father, this morning, as, as you are doing your work now, God, I pray I'm invoking the Holy Spirit in every chair, in every heart this morning. Some of us have friends. Some of us feel like we have no friends. 
Some of us belong. Some of us believe. Some of us behave. Some of us don't know what we believe. But this morning, God, please drive home the point that with you, we belong. We belong. If we would just believe. Now, in a moment, guys, I want you to keep your head bowed. In a moment, we're going to say the sinner's prayer. If you're not sure that you believe, let me echo it one more time. You belong. I don't care who or what. The Word of God says if you will believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. Is there anybody here this morning that has never prayed that prayer and asked Jesus into the heart? Would you raise your hand this morning if you want to do that? Maybe you're here as well this morning and you know you belong, but you have a little bit of trouble believing and behaving. And you need that relationship to go to just that next level. God, I need that next level. I need to behave. I need to know that my relationship with you is real and deeper than it's ever been. Would you just raise your hand? Thank you. God sees all of those. God, this morning as we have come, with my hands lifted as Moses did, not because of me, but because of your power and your might. Save those souls. Because of your power and your might. Build those relationships. Help us to believe and to know that we are your children. We are a child of God. We are joint heirs with Christ. And because of this day, as we go forward, I know that I belong and I know that I believe and I know that I will behave in a manner that you have. When I fail... I know you'll forgive me. So God, empower each heart as only you can do. And we'll give you thanks in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.